This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 599. And the quote of the day is, the hardest thing about being a musician is getting the gig. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 599 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and we're in session three of the Bigger Better Gigs course, and this is all about getting the gig, the most important part, for sure, and I don't want to waste any time, but first, I want to make sure that if you haven't listened to episode one and episode two of this Bigger Better Gigs course or session one and session two, which is laying the groundwork and promotion, you should check those out before you get to this one, which is all about getting the gig. If you check those out already, great. Let's dig into it. This is session three, getting the gig. So let's get it rocking. How's everybody doing tonight? I hope you're doing well. This is session three, getting the gig. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope everybody's doing well and let's get into it. So just starting off right now, tonight's agenda is going to be, you're going to learn how to work with who you want. You're going to learn how to get on the call list and then you're also going to learn how to add value and learn about adding value and getting it in return. And then really just getting your foot in the door. And, and then in, in session four, we're actually going to talk about how sort of once your foot is in the door, then you start leveraging from there and you start using that to get other gigs. So before we get too deep into it, let me just clarify this, that this is not uh, – this is not going to be typical, so we'll talk about that in a second. The focus is going to be on creating the opportunities for yourself, okay? And we also want to focus on taking the initiative to succeed and then acting instead of reacting. And the reason why we do that is because this is not about getting gigs in the traditional sense. So what do I mean by the traditional sense? Like everyone knows, okay, you got to network, you got to like you got to hang out at the bar, you got to do these things. Those are all valid points. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be doing any of those. I'm not saying that they don't work. I'm not saying that this is better, uh, you know, a better way of doing it. This is a different approach that I don't think a lot of people use and a, and an approach that I use to accelerate the process. I think that doing it the other way, it that's a longer process. It's a successful process. It's worked for years. But this is more about, about accelerating that process, like I said, and, and taking action into your own hands. And the one thing that I really learned from doing all this is that there are two separate mentalities when you're a musician or when you're trying to get gigs or you know when you're trying to get out of the gigs that you're playing and get into bigger gigs and things like that. So you have two separate mentalities. So one is the sideman mentality, and if you're a sideman or a sidewoman, the only the only way that you're going to get gigs is dependent on someone else, right? So you wait for the phone ring, and if the phone doesn't ring, then you don't gig. 
and you're also dependent on someone else's schedule. So if you're playing with somebody and they decide they want to take six months off, guess what? You don't have any gigs anymore, or you have to, you know, you got to start hustling for different gigs because you're on their schedule. And depending on what level artist that you're playing with, sometimes, you know, like I, we actually just did a webinar with Brendan Buckley, and he was saying that, you know, sometimes Shakira takes off for two years, right? So he's not if 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 she's on hiatus for two years guess what he's not playing with Shakira he has other gigs but he's not playing with her so if you're playing in a band and the and the leader decides that okay I'm gonna take a little break guess what you're not you're not gonna have those gigs anymore you're not in control of your own career as far as I'm concerned now I don't like to leave things up to chance so I like to take control of my own career rather than leaving it up to someone else leaving it up to chance leaving it up to luck and you don't get to pick who you play with, technically. I mean, you can turn down a gig, but if you're in a gig or if you're in a band and the the music director or the artist or whoever it is really likes this piano player and you don't like playing with them, you have two choices. Quit the band or shut up and suck it up and play with this person who you don't want to play with. Now, you may dislike playing them for a multitude of reasons. Guess what? doesn't matter if you're not in control. Now, there's the leader mentality. Now, the leader mentality, you make your own calls, and you don't have to worry about any, anybody else. You make the calls. You, you, know, you hire the people, and you put all the pieces together. You make your own schedule. So if you want to take off for the weekend, you can take off. But if you want to gig nine, nights, nine times a week, you can gig nine times a week. You can make your own schedule as the leader. You're also in control of... Leaders are also in control of their own career. So you can push it as hard as you want or pull back as, as much as you want rather than relying on someone else's drive, someone else's initiative, someone else's connections, someone else's you know habits, someone else's whether they're an alcoholic, whether they you know, whatever the case may be, you're you're at their whim if you're a sideman, but as a leader, you're in control of all of of what you do in your career. And you get to pick who you play with as a leader. So if you don't like that keyboard player, you don't have to play with that keyboard player. If you don't like the bass player, you don't have to play with the bass player. Whatever the case may be, you can structure it the way that you want to. And then you also have more financial upside. So you can, you know, if you're the one booking the gigs and you're the one who's controlling what's going on, then you are making more money. You are controlling how much everyone's getting paid. You're negotiating your salaries. You're doing all that stuff. Now, to be clear, these are two different mentalities that both work. So I don't, I'm not saying that a leader is better than a sideman or a sideman is better than a leader. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. For me, the way that I've learned to accelerate it is from the leader perspective, and that can get you other sideman gigs, and we're going to dig into that. But just be clear that there is no – I'm not – I'm not for or against either one of these. I think that every single person's scenario is different. If you're a husband with four kids and you play three times a month, the sideman may be the perfect thing for you because you don't have time to gig. Or I'm sorry, you don't have time to book the gigs. You don't want to deal with the stress. You don't want to have to deal with everyone else's schedule and all that stuff. They call you, hey, Joe, can you do the gig? Yep. What time is it? Friday, 7 p.m. Boom, I'm there. Leader has to sort of corral everyone. There's a lot more stress. It's a lot more time intensive and all that stuff. So there's definitely pros and cons to both. So I'm I'm not I'm not for or against either one of them. Just to be clear, these are just 
two different approaches and two things that I want you to keep in mind as we're moving through this. And for me, the, what I found to be an accelerator was to sort of get into that leader position because you can control your own destiny and you can really, really steer the ship, so to speak. So let me tell you a little story about Glenn Farrakhone. So Glenn Farrakhone is a drummer, a producer, and an engineer. And he has played, I mean, he's cut a ton of different, I mean, I think he's cut like 700 or 800 records, Grammy nominated, played with Johnny Cash, played with Joe Cocker, D. Francesco Brothers, and all this stuff. He is, he is from my original, from my hometown. And he played with everybody, man. He played with Johnny D. Francesco, phenom guitar player, Pat Bianchi, who was just rated the up-and-coming organ player at Downbeat Magazine this year, or the rising star. Uh, Rich Badesa, who's a Philly legend, an organ, an organ player, and then Joey DeFrancesco. For those of you, I don't know if you guys know who who Joey is, but Joey is arguably the greatest Hammond organ player in the world. He started playing with Miles Davis when he was 17, and uh, and has continued. I think every year he wins the Downbeat Reader's Poll as the greatest organ player. He's insane. So Glenn was playing with all of these guys and I knew it because he was from my hometown and I would see these guys play all the time and I was like man I really want to I really want to start getting connected to these guys so let's go back to Glenn so Glenn has this recording studio and they also teach lessons out of there and they also uh, um, they cut records they do lessons and he you know he teaches lessons and all that stuff so I went in and I said hey listen I, you know, my name's Nick, and I'm a drummer from the area. I really, I, I love what you do, and I really want to learn from you. I want to study from you, and here's the deal. I'll do whatever I have to do, but I can, I, I need a place to practice, too. So is there any way that I can rent a place to practice? I'll clean the bathrooms. I don't care. Whatever I got to do, I want to take lessons from you because I want to support your business, and I did want to learn from them. And I said, but also, like, can I practice here? So Glenn and I, over a long period of time, became really close, and he became a mentor of mine. And the the key was I was hanging out at the studio late night a lot because I was practicing. He would be there working on a record. We would end up hanging out. We get some wine. We start talking, right? So what happens? So at some point, he's like, listen, I need a sub for one of these gigs. And I think I think you would be good at it. I said okay. So I start I sub for him a few times, and and I'm like you know I want to I want to be getting you know better gigs. I want to be doing some different stuff, and I'll just start booking gigs. And I was like well you know I don't I don't know what to play or whatever. And he was like all right well then maybe you should cut a record. And I was like okay, I think this is a this is a great idea. So in the meantime. I'm subbing for him, and I'm starting to make connections with with all of these other people. But they're not hiring me for gigs. They're, hi they're I'm subbing for Glenn. So like, if Glenn can't make it, he gets me. They don't. They're not necessarily calling me or anything like that. So I said, all right, let's do it. Let me let let me cut a record so I at least have some material and I have something you know something to show so that you know I can use it sort of as a calling card, right? So I want to record a record. So the first question I ask is, all right, who should I get to play on it? And I was like, oh, well, I'm already in a band. I already know all these people, so I'll just get the people I've been playing with 
to play on that record. And then Glenn's like, no, 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 no. That's not who you get to play on the record. I said, oh, interesting. Okay, who do I get to play on the record? He said, you get the people that you want to play with all the time. You get them on the record. I'm like, oh. So there's all these people I wanted to play with or play with more of the guys that I was subbing with. And I said, okay, I'm going to hire all these guys to play on the record. So I put out a record and featuring Johnny DeFrancesco, Paul Kleinfelter, and Richard Bedessa, right? So three guys that I totally, you know, totally wanted to play with. I said, "Listen, I need you to I, I need you for this gig or I need you for this record. They're not going to turn down the gig because I'm paying them to record this record." So they come in and Glenn sort of vouched for me, you know, like it wasn't like we were putting out this crappy record and probably they would have played on it anyway because if you're paying somebody to play on a record they're going to play on your record so but the the key is now i have a calling card now i got a record with my name on it, it as a leader and i have johnny d francesco paul kleinfelter and rich budessa on this record right all guys who have a lot of respect in in my area also guys that i've been dying to play with and now i'm starting to develop a relationship now here's where it gets interesting. I wanted to start taking all the material and I wanted to start playing out. So rather than trying to find sideman work, what do I do? I start my own band, the Nick Ruffini band, right? Who's in the Nick Ruffini band? Nick Ruffini, and that's it. Nobody else. So what do I got to do? I got to hire a band. All right. Hmm, who should I hire to play on my gigs? I'll hire Johnny DeFrancesco, Rich Budessa, Paul Kleinfelter, Pat Bianchi, Will Bernard, who plays with Stanton Moore. So now, not only do I have this record with this calling card, or as a calling card, now I'm playing gigs out with all of these guys who I've wanted to be played with. I am now in their circle. I am now at their level. I am now their caliber of player. Doesn't matter. Associate. I'm associated with them. They're on the bill. They're on the record. Then, when people, you know, people see me playing, well, if he's good enough to play with Johnny DeFrancesco and Rich Bedessa and Pat Bianchi and Will Bernard, then I would assume that he is, you know, this person is good enough to play with me. So, that's one of the one of the things that got me a ton of gigs is sort of the the experience by association it's almost like guilt by association but but the opposite of that so now there's also something called the law of reciprocity so if you don't know what the law of reciprocity is it's a social rule that says people should repay in kind what another person has provided for them so backtracking I cut a record with Glenn I hired Paul and I hired Johnny and I hired Rich and you know, uh, and then started hiring all of these guys for gigs. And what happens? The next thing you know, Rich Podesta is calling me. Hey man, I got a gig here. Can you can you do it here? Hey, I got this gig here. Hey, we're gonna start doing every Friday at this place. Can you do it there? Hey, we're gonna do a four night stand here. Is it possible for you to do it? Yes, I'm there. Now I'm on the call list. Now he knows that one. I can play the material because he's played with me before. Two, he knows that I'm giving him gigs, so he wants to give me gigs back in return. 
and three, he knows that I'm dependable, I've, I've been able to develop a relationship with him, and all of that stuff, by hiring him, I'm showing that I'm a professional, that I'm, I got my shit together, excuse me, but I got my stuff together and, and all that, right? So Johnny DeFrancesco starts hiring me for gigs as well. Then Will Bernard starts hiring me for gigs because I hired him. And this is the total law of reciprocity, and this is just how this stuff works. This is, you know, and so this is the, the leader role, right? This is not the sideman role. This is the leader role of what we talked about in the beginning of taking action. So you, rather than sitting around waiting for the call to ring, you start making the calls yourself, all right? So why did I tell you that, entri that entire story? And that's because of the strategy. I want you to understand the strategy of not standing around and letting the opportunities happen, but creating the opportunities and taking action and setting yourself up as a leader. All right? So, uh, Anthony asked, what did it cost? What, to record the record? So, uh, so the cost of the record, I spent a lot of money on it, but you don't have to, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And also, uh, I co-wrote the material, but Johnny DeFrancesco wrote a lot of the tunes. So I paid him more as a producer and a writer. And I said, listen, here's what I want to do. You know, you'll get, you'll get executive producer credits, and you'll also get paid more because you're a writer. And then I'll also use you for the gigs, too, so that'll put money in your pocket as well. And you have to remember, we're not cutting a major label record. There's not, you know, $250,000 of advance of advance money or, or anything like that. Uh, so rather than, because I, for me, it would have taken me two years to write a record. For Johnny, we literally wrote that record together in, in a week and a half, recorded it in a weekend, and Paul edited, edited or um, I'm sorry, Glenn edited and mixed the whole entire thing, and it was done in, in six weeks from start to finish. So how did you get the gigs? Uh, cold called, man. Same way you get any other gig, you go to a, you go to a bar, <clears throat> say, hey man, I want to you know I want to put a show here, put some people in there, and it doesn't like anywhere that books live music, just knock down the doors until you can book those gigs. It's the same way you get a gig with any other band, you just say, hey, you know, I, and if you if it's a new band that you're just starting, people are gonna come out, your friends are gonna come out. Like when I it was like the Nick Ruffini band, anybody that I knew who was coming out to see me in other bands who are friends with mine or followed us on tour or whatever the case was was like oh man it's Nick we're gonna go we're gonna go see his uh, we're gonna go see his you know his new uh, his new band does the bar pay some of the bars pay some of them don't some of them work off the door but here's the key if you're doing this you have to invest in your business you have to invest in yourself so if the bar pays two hundred dollars and you hire two musicians you don't get paid that hundred dollars or those $200 go to each of the musicians. So you got to pay yourself last in this situation because you're investing in yourself, you're investing in your future, and you're investing in your business. So keep that in mind that if, if, if there's three of you and the bar pays $300, do not take the extra $100 for yourself. Split it two ways and give it to those guys. It'll come back tenfold, I promise you. Do you take money out of your pocket for the musicians? Sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Do you take money out of your pocket when you start a business? Sometimes. Sometimes you can get investors. Sometimes you can't. But if you can't, then you got to take it out of your pocket. And but 
don't think of it as what you're losing. You're not losing the money. You're gaining something. You're gaining these musicians. You're gaining these relationships. And you're gaining the opportunity to gig again with these guys. So think of it like that as an investment. So uh, any more questions? How much are they charging? How much is who charging? The musicians? I mean, the guys, they're, they're working musicians, man. They're anywhere between, you know, 100 and 250 a night, depending on how far they have to travel or, you know, whatever the case may be. Some of these guys were local, so it was like 100, 150 bucks, which is like, it's nothing. They're, they're, you got to remember, unless you're hiring super well-known stars who are like the leader of the band, like, I can't get Pat Martino to play on my gig for 150 bucks. I can probably get him for like 750 though, thousand bucks. I bet I can get Pat Martino. Sure. So it's all it's all about how much you want to spend. But you can hire people. You can hire people to play. They're sidemen. They're musicians. They're working guys. They'll uh, they'll they'll definitely get paid to play a gig. So, and most people don't think of that. Like most people don't think that they can they can hire somebody because they think they're going to say no. But I've never had that opportunity. All right. So let me minimize this. Blow this back up. All right. So let's talk about a few obstacles and some hurdles that that some people may overcome or th that you may run into. Uh, cutting a record is expensive. Now, granted, I cut this record in uh, 2012, so it wasn't that long ago, but even now the technology is so much better that you can get a couple mics and you can get a couple onboard recorders or, or – um, not onboard recorders, but mobile recorders, get some good mics, and you can. Rec we cut the whole record live, so there wasn't a ton of mixing. There was no, I mean, there was no punch-ins. Everything that is on the record was played live. There's one overdub on the last tune. That's it. There was no other overdubbing or anything like that. So just cut a live record. You don't have to cut this highly produced, like Pro Tools, highly edited record, you're going to save yourself a ton of money. Is it going to cost you some money? Yes. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that uh, that it doesn't cost you any money, but you don't have to spend ten grand on the record. You don't have to. So uh, it is expensive, but there are definitely cheaper ways to do it. And you can, you know, rent out a studio for a day and just say, hey man, we just want some live record, you know, some live uh, some live mics. So we're going to cut everything. We're gonna cut everything uh, live, so I don't have I don't have material. Okay, I ran into the same exact problem. I had zero material, not one tune. I didn't write one tune before going into this record. So I commissioned Johnny D. Francesco to help me write the tunes. He wrote a bunch of them. We co-wrote a couple of them, and we put it on the record. And as I said, I gave him. He got points on the record, so he gets you know royalties. And then he he played the gigs with me and and got paid to play on the record as well. So I ran into that same exact problem. I didn't have a record or I didn't have material. And coincidentally, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Michael Carvin, and he was we had mentioned you know about cutting records and stuff like that. And he was like, man, the only way that you can really like take control of it is to be a leader. He's been a leader for 45 years and hasn't done any sidemen work at all, which is like a really interesting thing because he started the same way where he didn't have any material. So you don't need material to record a record. But don't get me wrong, if you're a writer and you write material, then do it, but don't let that be the one thing that holds you back. Like you don't have if you have a record that you want to put out, that's great. Work on it for as long as you want, but in the meantime, 
I wouldn't be that concerned about it. Even if you even if you cut a cover record, it doesn't matter as long as you have some sort of product that because like you're not going to go out and like you can sell your record, but I mean I sold my record, but it was the 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 financial rewards from all the selling of the records like you're not that's not where you're going to make your money. You're going to make your money touring, you're going to make your money playing gigs, but you're using this as a calling card to put a product out there so that you can get more gigs and you can continue to leverage this whole entire system. So a lot of people say, well, I don't want to record a record. I don't want to take the time. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to do all these things. Okay. That's, that's perfectly fine. And one of the things that you can do is just hire guys to play to or to play gigs. So you can put a repertoire together. You can figure out what tunes you guys want to play. Then you can hire these people and say, "Hey, look, I, I need you know, go out and just book the gigs." The 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 one way that you can really light a fire under your ass is go book a gig, and you got to hire a band for that gig. So you can go, uh, you know, make a make a set list of thirty songs. Say, hey, listen, and make sure a lot of them are standard, so you're not asking people to learn like all these obscure tunes and all that stuff. If you do, you gotta, you know, you gotta pay them for that. But if not, you just say, hey, look, I need you to, I need you at this gig. It's uh, Friday night. We're gonna play these tunes. Pay you 150 bucks. Cool. And if they're not gigging, sure they'll take the gig. And you keep keep doing that a couple times. Law of reciprocity kicks in. They start hiring you. You're in their circles. You know, we talk about it. That's that's how it goes. So, and another thing is like I don't know how to record a record. So there's multiple things online that you can find about how to record a record. Go to a studio, find somebody who knows how to do it. So you can you can sit around and you can make excuses of why you can't make this happen, or you can you know, or you can uh, you can figure this out and and you can make it happen. So obstacles and hurdles to me are just like they're just ways to to uh, to keep me motivated to to get me to to really make start making things happen. So here's some other solutions. Uh, I mentioned start a new band and hire them, right? So just go say, hey, this is going to be the the Joe Schmo project, and I need a bass player, keyboard player, piano player, or bass player, p keyboard player, guitar player. Boom, boom, boom. Hire them up, and and I'm making it. The reason why I'm making this sound so nonchalant and so easy is because it's not as hard as you think. Just like I said, you can make the excuse of why you can't do it, but just go out and book the gig and hire the people. Pay them and be done with it. It's like, let's go. The, the, only, the only way to, uh, to really make this happen is to take action. So you can also hire them to sub for your band. I've seen this happen so many times where I've been in a band our bass player, whatever, for whatever reason, can't make it, he's sick, he's car broken, I don't know, whatever the case may be. So hire someone that you want to play with, hire them to sub. Say, hey, look, man, we got a gig coming up next week. We'd love to have you on the gig. Uh, you know, it pay, we'll pay you 200 bucks for last minute, whatever, whatever, and hire them to sub for your band. Now, this might sound like, oh, this pie-in-the-sky uh, solution, but this happens all the time. This happens day in and day out. So if you have someone if, – if there's someone that can't make the gig, most people go to the people that they're already playing with. Most people go to the people they've already played with before. If you're trying to up your ante, 
then you got to go with somebody that's out of your comfort zone, out of your ring, out of your circle, I should say, and hire them. So now you're now you're consorting with those, I guess you could say. Uh, best way to do it. So another thing, hire people in their band to play with you. This is sort of the side door approach that we talked about before. Like if you're trying to get to, let's say you want to get the Pat Martino gig, right? So this is a prime example just because I know the guys in the band. If you want to get to Pat Martino, a great way to do that is to hire Pat Bianchi, who plays with Pat Martino. So you hire Pat, start playing with him. Next thing you know, Carmen, the drummer, can't make it, or he broke his leg, or God forbid, I love Carmen, so God forbid anything happens to him. But, you know, things happen. Things come up. But like, you know, who knows what could happen? So Pat's like, man, you know, I've been playing with this killer, uh, this this killer drummer for the last couple of months, man. You should you should really check him out. And Pat Pat Martino goes, oh okay, yeah. You think you can do the gig? Yeah, okay. Why don't you bring him in for a rehearsal? Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, you're playing with Pat Martino. And again, people sound like people think it's like a pie in the sky thing. It's not. So uh, these things happen all the time. That's how. That's how many, many people get gigs. I've gotten gigs from for subbing for people. I've gotten gigs for hiring people. Like I hire, So uh, Rich Bedessa and his brother have a band. They used to use a drummer all the time. I started hiring Rich. Rich started hiring me for, for his band. Next thing you know, I was the full-time guy. And that was all because I hired him to play on my record and kept that relationship going. And so this sort of stuff happened happens all the time. Another thing which is sort of a, a, a different approach that, that people don't really think about too is if they're in a band, you can book a gig or book a show with two bands on it and book their band to play with you and split the bill and the only, you know, really the only reason that you want to do this, is, well, it's twofold. One, again, it puts you on the same level as these people. So if you say, Hey, even if they're headlining, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as you're on the bill, as long as you're part of that circle, then it elevates your game. But not only that, then you have the, the opportunity to to hang out with these guys. Then you have the opportunity to network with them. They see you play. Then you talk to the bass player from the other band. It's like, hey, man, I really dug what you're doing. I would love to hire you for this other project that I'm working on. Whatever the case may be, it just gets you in the room with other people that you want to play with. So these are all different solutions if you don't want to specifically go out, record a record, hire all these people and go that route because it may be and I don't want to I don't want to say that it's out of your price range because I don't want you to automatically say, "Oh, I'm not going to do that thing. I'm going to try this other thing by like hiring a band and all that stuff." The record approach definitely definitely works and you can do it on the cheap. It doesn't let me reiterate this so you guys Please, I want you to hear this. It's not as expensive as you think it is, and it doesn't preclude you from doing it. So do it on the cheap. Just make sure it sounds good. That's all. That's all. It's got to be high quality just so you can say, okay, now we're going to play these tunes out. It's got to be just a product for a calling card. That's all it's got to be. So recapping, uh, really like the four main, four different approaches, four main approaches. And again, as I said in the beginning, these are, in addition to all of the other things that you already know that everybody tells you, so you got to go out and network, you got to go to gigs, you got to foster relationships, you got to introduce yourself, you got to you know do all of that stuff, the smoozing, the coffee, the, the dinner, the drinks, and all that stuff. Yes, you have to do all that, 
this is in addition to that. This is the stuff that will give you the edge. This, will, this is the stuff that most people aren't doing that can get you in faster, get you accelerated, and the way that, that I built all of my, I built my career and all of my gigging through this approach, and it's worked tremendously for me. So, one, find a mentor to study with and sub for them, and then hire their band members. So, when, with Glenn Farrakhan, I started that relationship, and I wanted him to mentor me, and of course, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I would love to sub for him. Not, I wasn't doing it like, I'm fostering this relationship because I want to take his gigs. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about learning from him, proving that you are capable of subbing, and he gets you to sub for him because you are a reliable sub. You know the material, or you're good enough to at least play the material. So Glenn was my mentor, and I always wanted to play the gigs that he was playing, and thank God I got to do a lot of that because he not only had the faith in my playing, but also knew the, the content of my character. He knew that I was a, drum, a great drummer. He also knew that, that I was professional. I was honest. I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, make him look bad on the gig or anything like that. And then from that, the people that he was playing with, I worked with them on other projects too. I hired them for other things too. So that's one of the main approaches too, we talked about cut the record and then hire people to record the gig, uh, record then gig, record the gig and that, or tour to support the record. So whether you just want to play locally or you want to take it on the road, trust me, you can hire the cats that you want to play with. Three, you can start a band and hire the people you want to play with if you don't want to go the record route, which I get it, but at least try it. At least explore the record route. If you don't want to do that, start the band and then start hiring the people that you want to play with. And you may not hit it out of the park and play with every single person that you want to play with in the first week of trying to book this band, but you get one guy who can refer somebody. You get one, you know, maybe you get this guitar player, and then the next time you get the bass player you want to play with, you start cultivating a relationship with them. Then you get the guitar player and the bass player playing together. And the, uh, the biggest key is to start taking action and and really just go out and start doing these things, going and start booking these bands or looking into cutting the record or whatever the case may be. And then the fourth one is get on the same bill as other bands by booking bands together. So this is all taking initiative. This is all in the leadership role and not necessarily like you don't even have to be the leader of the band. You could hire a leader for the band, but what I say what I mean by the leadership role is I mean the guy taking the action, the guy making the phone calls, the guy or girl you know, putting the wheels in motion rather than just sitting back on your couch saying, oh, I hope somebody calls me for a gig this week. I hope, uh, you know, I hope I can pay my rent because uh, John hasn't called me for that gig that we're waiting on. Step up to the plate and swing the bat. And, you know, who knows? You may, you may fail, but I'm guessing that you keep, you keep pushing and keep doing this. You're not, and you're going to be glad that you did all this stuff. So let's talk about some homework. One, I want you to decide what approach you think will work for you. I recommend trying all of them. I really do. I, I recommend at least exploring all of these and say, okay, which one you know, do I think is really going to fit? Once you decide on that, I want you to sketch out your plan. So going back to the first session where we talked about the people you wanted to target and the people who you wanted to play with and all that, sketch out your plan and then start making a list of the people who you want to really hire realistically. Like I said, don't put Sting on your list if you can't pay him, you know, $150,000 to play. So sketch out your plan, figure out who you're going to hire, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to if you're going to book studio time, figure out where you're going to do that, all that stuff. 
third would be a list of the venues where you want to try to book. I'm telling you right now, you're going to call venues, you're going to get no's. It's going to happen. I owned a booking agency for three years, well, almost four years. So I get it. You're going to call, and they're going to be like, nope, not interested, hang up the phone. Nope, not interested, hang up the phone. But then one person is going to say, yep, come on in next Friday or whatever, you know, whatever the date is. So it's all about how bad you want it, but list of list. Make a list of a you know 15, 20 venues that you could realistically call and try to book to try to put these bands in there. And then going back to the goal setting, create a timeline of when you'll have it to. If you say I'm gonna have the studio time booked, uh, you know by by September 1st, I'm gonna know who the musicians are gonna be. I'm gonna get my writer, whatever the case may be. I'm gonna have all my finances figured out and all that stuff. Or I'm going to I'm going to have a gig booked by this date, and I'm going to have these people playing on it. Okay, I got the venue. I got this. Now the wheels are in motion. Even if you do it once and seven people show up, who cares? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. That's the only way that it's going to snowball into anything. Doing it once and giving up is not going to do it. Don't even waste your time. You might as well not even, you might as well not even put the effort for it now. You might as well sit on the couch and play video games. But if you really want it, you're going to have to push hard for it. Now, the fifth thing is book a gig. Book a gig. This is the number one thing to light a fire under your ass. You book a gig for September 15th with nobody in place, you'll get people to play that gig. Guaranteed 100% because you're not going to cancel the gig and you've already gone through the work of booking it. So book the gig or book the studio time. Book the studio time. Say, okay, uh, yeah, I'd like to come in, you know, September 15th, 16th, and 17th. Cool. All right, I'll see you then. Hang up the phone. Then you go, oh, shoot. Now i got to find the people to play. But that's for that, I look at that as like reverse engineering. I look at that as like a reverse bet to yourself where you say, okay, I have to – I've already booked this gig. It's already on the calendar. What gets scheduled is real. So once it's scheduled, now you got to – Put in the work to make it happen. If you keep pushing that date out and saying, "Oh, you know, uh, I, I, I got to line these people up to uh, before I book this gig, or I got to figure this thing out before I book it, or I got to do this before I book it," you'll never do it. So, book a gig, put it on the calendar, light the fire on your ass, and go out there and make some make some amazing music with some cats that you want to play with. So, and don't forget, I want you to sign up for session four as well. Um, Session four is leverage gig, leveraging your gigs. So how to take the gigs that you have and then once you start doing all this and using them to get other gigs as well. <laughs> Anthony said, looks like we got some work to do. Yep. Does anyone else have any questions, concerns, comments, anything? And also, like, I need some feedback too. You guys are sort of the first class who has gone through uh, the session so far, and obviously we're not done yet, but I would love some feedback if you guys can email it or tweet it to me or, or whatever. I, I would really love to know how I can make it better, what you guys are thinking of the course so far, all that stuff too. Uh, so anytime you guys have any feedback, please let me know or email me, nick at drummersresource.com, send it on social, all that stuff. And I'll talk to you soon, guys. Have a good night. All right, there you have it. That's everything on getting the gig. And on Monday, we're going to release the fourth and final session of this Bigger Better Gigs course, which is all about leverage. And what that means is how do you leverage the gigs that you have or the new gigs that you've gotten 
to get other gigs. And that's something that I think is super important that it doesn't get talked about a lot. And I've seen people stagnate in gigs for a long time rather than using that gig as leverage to get a better gig, get more gigs, play with higher caliber players, whatever the case may be. So that is coming up on Friday. So be sure to check that out. Also, if you haven't already, check out sessions one and two, which are all about laying the groundwork and promotion. And if you know any musicians who you think will find value in this, do me a favor, share it up. It's not just for drummers. It's for anyone who's looking to get gigs. So other than that, that's all I got for you. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing new year. And I'll be back on Monday with episode 600. It's wild. All right. Take care. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini. That's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.